0: What have you got to lose? I'm sure you've probably heard that statement before. When people have put something before you that uh, you should try or consider doing, they might say something like, you know, well, what have you got to lose? It seems that they recognize that there may be some kind of hesitancy for you to do it or that there may be some kind of a risk involved and and maybe you're not quite sure if you should do what you're considering. What have you got to lose? This week when I was driving, I saw a van uh, cross in front of me and it had printed on the side, what have you got to lose? And it had more to advertise, but right at the time I saw that on the radio, it said the same thing. What have you got to lose? And I didn't know what I should do, read this van or listen to the radio. I got confused. So I don't know what I got to lose. You know, sometimes that happens. We hear confusing messages and then we don't really get the message at all. But if you think about it, on the opposite side of that coin of what do you got to lose is a message, you've got everything to gain. And that's what I tell people about baptism. You've got everything to gain. As we continue with our series of messages entitled, Knowing Jesus Better, today we want to learn about how we can know him better through our baptism. And recognize that it is both a lose and a win. Now, it so happened the other day when I was driving, it was a beautiful afternoon, and so I had the window down in the car. Well, the guy next to me was really blasting his radio away. But it wasn't music, he was listening to somebody teach something. And so naturally, I was thinking, I wonder if it's a preacher. So I was trying to listen in to what the message was. And finally, I heard what the message was that he was, that guy was saying. I can tell you how to make a million dollars by, do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to know. But right at that time, a big truck drove past that was so loud, I never heard what it was. Sometimes that happens, you know, you're eager to hear something, but then some other noise interferes and you don't get the message. Well, we want to listen carefully to Jesus and his role in our baptism, getting to know him better and to see the benefits of that in our baptism. So what have you got to lose? The Apostle Peter, when he was uh, preaching a sermon on Pentecost Sunday, tells us what we have to lose. Listen. He told the people, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness. And that word means for the sending away, for the loss of your sin. What have you got to lose in baptism? Your sins. Now let's take a look to see how that happens by looking at Jesus' baptism, getting to know him and his baptism better. Matthew tells us about it. He said, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love with him i am well pleased so when we look at jesus baptism we see that there was a little bit of misunderstanding there john didn't understand why should jesus be baptized it seems kind of obvious that jesus shouldn't be baptized right because jesus was not a sinner john was calling people to repent of their sins and doing that through baptism Jesus wasn't a sinner. That was made clear throughout all those prophecies about him. And that angel who announced to Mary that she would give birth to the Son of God, the Most High, the Holy One, it was clear that Jesus did not have sin. In fact, when he came to John, John said, what are you doing coming to me? You don't need to be baptized. Jesus didn't need forgiveness. John admitted, however, he did. And so we see a difference, obviously, between Jesus and us. But then why was Jesus there to be baptized? Well, Jesus gave us the answer. He said he needed to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. That meant to follow God's plan, to carry out God's will. God's plan. God's will for Jesus was that he would come into this world and to be the Savior, to carry out that plan of salvation for you and me. So in a sense, we could say that Jesus was there in that water in order to stand side by side with us sinners to be our substitute. In baptism, Jesus put himself there next to us to show what we needed to be done, but to show himself as our savior in baptism then Jesus is standing there with us and there's an exchange that takes place the apostle Paul described it this way indeed as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ you've put Christ on that righteousness that you need to be before God is given to you in your baptism and we need that because you and I are sinners now we like to look at ourselves and and see our accomplishments and and see how good we are now none of us is so bold to say I don't do anything wrong But none of us is so bold to also say, you should hear the terrible things that I do. Because we like to emphasize, you know, those good things that we do. But Isaiah made it pretty clear about what we're like. Now yesterday I was in prison and visiting the uh, inmates there. And again, you've heard me say this before. You don't have to tell those guys about their sin. They feel their guilt every day. And it would be easy, you know, for us to sit there as the visitors, well, you know, I'm not in prison. (laughs) You guys are bad. No, I'm bad too. I was speeding. I broke the speed limit to get up there on time yesterday, okay? Granted, you don't have to go to prison for that. (laughs) But that was also wrong. Isaiah put it this way. He said, all of us, Have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. You know, even those good things that I like to say I've done, he says, those are all filthy rags. It's just pointing out that need that we all have for forgiveness. You know, it's easy, the other day I I didn't hear that message about how to make that million dollars because there was that interference from the noise of that truck. And sometimes we get the interference of, of noise around us regarding our sin too because we like to think of ourselves as doing pretty good. And even when we know we've done bad, we look around and we say, well, you know, everybody does it. Or we just say, well, it isn't that big of a deal. Or we say, you know what? God forgives it, so it's okay. We have a way of drowning out that message. We need forgiveness. Let's not drown out the message that baptism brings us. That we're cleansed from that sin because of what baptism does. The Apostle Paul, in one of his sermons, put it real clear. Now what are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name. It's the power of God's word, it's his declaration that removes our sins and our faith that accepts, that trusts that declaration. So that's why God would start out his message through the prophet Isaiah like this. Now come. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. You know, I don't know what the guy on the radio was trying to tell me to do to get a million dollars. Maybe he was going to tell me to buy some book or something and that's how he would make a million dollars, getting everyone to buy it. But whatever he was, I probably was not going to believe him. I would not have done what he told me. I just don't think it would happen. Sometimes people think that way about baptism too. That just having water put on you, that can't take away your sins. But when that water is connected with God's Word, the scriptures tell us, it does remove our sin. In our scripture reading earlier, it said that baptism is a guarantee to us. In in the NIV Bible, it says this is a pledge of a good conscience. But that word pledge meant somebody made a payment. There was a legal action that was taken to give you a guarantee and assurance or a clean or good conscience. And that was God. And that's why Peter said it so bluntly and clearly, baptism saves you. Last week as we started this series of messages about getting to know Jesus better, I, I pointed out that you know sometimes we become so familiar with something we just kinda take it for granted. You know, you get a new car, and after a while, you're just so familiar with it, and you just take it for granted. You you get a new computer, it can be faster and do other things, and you just take it for granted. And sometimes we can know so many things about Jesus, we just take it for granted. That could even happen with our baptism. And because our baptism happened once, and maybe some time ago, it maybe isn't even on our mind. But it is in our heart and in our life, as I'll demonstrate a little bit later. Let's not take our baptism for granted, but let's think about it and realize how important it is. Let's recognize the lasting significance of our baptism. That's where we got a fresh start, a new start in a spiritual life. That's where God keeps strengthening us. That's where we get forgiveness of our sins. That's God's declaration to us of our independence, our freedom from sin and death. When you hear of freedom and independence, you, you think of what we have in our country, right? How we're a free people. You know, and on July 4th, we celebrate that with uh, picnics and parades and, and, and uh, fireworks. And we keep living that all along. If, if somebody threatens to do something or take away any of those rights we have, well, we get angry. We say, wait a minute. We have our freedoms. We have our rights. I mean, there are even people who are ready to sacrifice their life to defend our freedom. But we have a freedom that far exceeds the freedom we have in our country, a freedom from sin and death, a freedom that gives us eternal life now we don't celebrate it with barbecues and parades and fireworks we celebrate it in a different way we celebrate that freedom we have in our baptism as we gather together for worship expressing who we are as the people of God and praising our God for his blessings we can celebrate our our, our baptism our freedom that we have been made children of God and can therefore Boldly and confidently come before his throne of grace in prayer and ask for his blessings. That's how we celebrate our baptism, that we're children of God. What we should also do is learn to appreciate it more and learn more about it. There's a couple of uh, books I want to give reference to you in our bookstore back there that you can pick up today. Uh, Both of these are are about baptism. And you notice how thin they are? You could read those real easily. Um, And then, of course, uh, Luther's Catechism, which has a great section in it that explains baptism to us. Get into your Bibles. Do a Bible search on your computer for, for the word baptism or washed in the Bible. And learn more about how God has given you a great and wonderful blessing in baptism. Now, I know our baptism maybe was some time ago, and maybe for a lot of us, uh, it was when we were infants, and we don't remember it. You know, I don't remember my mom feeding me or changing me, but she did, (laughs) and I got the benefit of it today. I'm alive and clean. I don't remember my baptism because I was like a week or maybe two weeks old, but I know it happened, and I still have the blessings of it today. Let's learn more about our baptism. Learn more about Jesus through it and see how blessed we are. At this point, let's stop and reflect on that blessed life that we have as we listen to the song, I Surrender All. I'm uh, really sorry that I did not hear how you could make a million dollars. But if I did know, I would also tell you probably don't trust what I tell you because I'm really not good with finances. Although I can tell you how to get by on $20 a month. But I can tell you about the great gain that we have in baptism. While there is that loss, and it's a good loss, getting rid of our sin, there is also a great gain of life with Jesus through his baptism. Listen how Paul tells us about that gain. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth. And renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior so that having been justified by his grace we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life this is a trustworthy saying and I want you to stress these things So that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for a gain for everyone. What's that gain? Paul tells us that in baptism we are reborn. Not by what we've done. Because we can't do anything. The scriptures tell us that by sin and because of unbelief, we're spiritually dead. But it's because of his mercy and his power in baptism that you and I are saved and have new life, are reborn. It's the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Jesus said, you can't be you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again of the water and the Spirit. So what does that Spirit do? He connects us with Jesus. With Jesus' death and with Jesus' resurrection. Listen to how Paul explains that in Romans 6. Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him by this baptism into his death, so that just as he was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too would also walk in a new life. For if we have been buried with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection." You see, Paul says our baptism connects us with that cross of Jesus. It's there that our sins have been placed, nailed to that cross with Jesus, and they're not on us anymore. Our baptism puts us in that grave with Jesus and then raises up to new life with Jesus. That's the power of the baptism. It's, it's not a commitment I've made to God, but a commitment God has made and carried out to me through Jesus. Paul also says that not only are we reborn, we're also renewed with life, set free from slavery to sin. Listen to what he says. What shall we say then? Shall we keep on sinning so that grace may increase? Absolutely not, we died to sin. How can we go on living in it any longer? We know that our old self was crucified with him to make our sinful body powerless so that we would not continue to serve sin. In the same way also consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Yesterday in talking to one of the inmates, someone whom I've, this is the third time now, I think I've visited him. Uh, he said, Pastor, I am so ashamed of what I've done. And this is 20 years ago. He said that I didn't consider somebody else's life valuable. And I was so proud that I took somebody else's life. I'm so ashamed and crushed by what I've done. But I could tell him that in Christ, that sin is gone. And he has a new life. You ever feel the power of sin in your life? Of temptation pulling at you? Yeah, we feel that, don't we? Because we still have that sin nature living in us. But we also have a refreshed and strengthened nature from Jesus that can teach us to say no to sin and yes to God. And so now we all have a a new life to live that is one that's focused on serving Christ. I read this passage to to the inmates yesterday. I said, after you were set free from sin, and I said, aren't you all looking forward to that day when you will be set free from this prison? Yeah. I said, but there's a day right now where you have been set free from your sin. And the one inmate, he stood up and he went, amen. Because now we have become slaves to righteousness. Now you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. And the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. That inmate who, who poured out his heart to me said, But but what can I do now? I'm I'm focused on, you know, when I get out of here in several years. And I said, but you can serve Christ right now in how you live and how you share Him with others. And that goes for us too. In your relationships, as as a spouse, as a parent, as a child in a family. How you live at home, how you live at work, how you live at school, and and what you do here at church. Those are all our opportunities to live with this new life empowered by our baptism. You know at the beginning of a a new year we always think of you know here's what I'm going to do to turn my life around and make things better and all that stuff right. Every day it's a new year for us spiritually. A new life that we have because of our baptism that connects us to Jesus and that's what we need to remind ourselves of. We're connected to him. This is not just some distant thing that happened in our past. This is not just some theoretical, philosophical thing. It's a real thing. Paul used the illustration of marriage. And if you're not married, you can think of just just the relationship, a close relationship that you have with someone. He used that illustration to say, this is how baptism has made you alive with God. We are alive with God. So let's learn to connect with our baptism. And as we do, we'll get to know Christ better. And that will make our life better. Some may say, you know, if I live better, then I'll know God better. No, don't switch those around. Don't put the cart before the horse. Get to know Christ better, and your life will be better. Get to know him in your baptism. What have you got to lose? An old life. And what have you got to gain? A new and eternal life. Get to know Jesus better through your baptism.
1: Amen.